Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands and today it's the WNR 381. It's AW All Out 2021. But I'm not alone. I have the pleasure to be joined by the ultimate one. How you doing, man? Hey, buddy. Happy anniversary, because this is the one year anniversary that we first did All Out last year. And uh, let me tell you something, this All Out that we had this year made up for last year's, well, should we say disaster? Uh, it made it up three times. I mean, this this show was, I mean, if, if you ask for a, a pay-per-view with the quality of wrestling, the debuts, and everything that, that happened on Sunday, is, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't see any pay-per-view this year that have topped it. You know, it's probably what, to me, is one of the probably in the top ten of, of, pro, of pay-per-views that I've seen in my lifetime in wrestling. Yeah, without a doubt, it was such a kind of a phenomenal show. Uh, before we get onto it, like I said, it's a year since you joined. So, how have you found the past year on the WNR podcast? Oh man, it's it's been fun. I mean, I know when when you first asked me, I mean, I we, we didn't even know each other, whatever. Uh, and I know that I was like, okay, let's see what this guy is all about. And, and once we we click, it's like this guy knows his wrestling. Yeah, he'll give his opinion honestly, and I'll give mine. And man, ever since that, man, I mean, it's like if I don't show up to your show, uh, everybody's wondering where the hell I'm at. Um, and and I just have fun. I mean, uh, and then not only that, we had Monty and we had uh, uh, Joxy in it. Uh, we had that great SummerSlam um, live uh, preview stuff. Man, it, it's so much fun, man. And just like you say, I'm part of the family now. And, you know, and, and I hope that we continue on, man. It's, it's, it's been incredible, man. The run has been incredible. You know, we usually do a lot of Impact stuff, a lot of AEW stuff. But, uh, hey, man, it's a pleasure, man. It's just like you, I mean, you're part of the Chokeslam Wrestling family, and the same with me. I'm part of the M- and WNR podcast. And it's, it's great, man. I've been having a lot of fun with you. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, mate. Like I said, it is a pleasure to have you on. And, of course, uh, you know, uh, with our New York representative, as it was, you know, like we said, we are branching out uh, across the world. And it's been a pleasure to have you on for a year. And like I said, hope for many, many more as well, you know. Yes, yes, yes. Across, from the cross the pond, you know, uh, and I always joke around about that. But, you know, I, I mean, it's great because you have to sometimes expand um, your brand and, and, and you know, and maybe you, you get a connection with somebody. And I, and I think what is you, Joxy and, and, and Monty, and we all got together for one day. And I think we all have that passion and the love for professional wrestling. I mean, you have, I mean, you're a WWE fan and you follow it and all that. Um, and sometimes we will, you'll say something, we'll look at you like you're crazy, but you know what? That's you. You're passionate about wrestling, about Regardless of WWE, I'm more into the New Japan, AEW, Impact, pro wrestling stuff. I do watch WWE here and there, but, you know, that's what makes it great because everybody has a different opinion and, and, you know, and it's respectful. And it's at the same time, it's, it's expanding the brand, my brand and your brand, and, I mean, the whole family's brand. So, you know, it's great, man. And, you know, the more people listen, and, I mean, you're getting a lot of emails and all that stuff, so a lot of a lot of people are going to keep listening to our stuff and, you know, and eventually, you know, I'll get some of those, um, how you call it, uh, listenership and hopefully, you know, they support my podcast, same way they support WNF podcast. And, you know, right now I'm just part of the family and I'm, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, like I said, it is uh, brilliant to have you on. And like we talk about as well with New York, 
before we get on to AEW, let's say 20 years ago, as we record this, 20 years ago today, the most shocking thing to happen, well, definitely in my lifetime, of course, uh, 9-11. Uh, being from New York, this might be a silly question, but how has it impacted you and um, where were you kind of 20 years ago and what are your kind of memories of it when it happened? Well, uh, I was at that time, 2000, it's been 20 years, so you figure I was 31 years old at that time working for Morgan Stanley. I was in the, uh, anybody who listened to me that's know New York very well, I was in the Times Square area at that time that was uh, where I was working at. Uh, I remember coming into work early that morning and someone, you know, showed me a picture on the internet. But then the internet was just brand new. It, uh, it was just in its uh, infancy um, stages. And it was a big hole in the World Trade Center. And that's what the picture showed. And I remember telling my coworker that was not an accident. There's no way a plane is going to run into the World Trade Center. And as time went by during that morning, uh, it became real. You know, I, I remember my, my daughters were very young at that time. Uh, I was very scared because they were in school and, and it was just chaotic. I remember leaving the job because they let everybody go um, that um, 11 o'clock in the morning. And I looked down towards south of Manhattan. And all you see is darkness, black cloud. Uh, it was just chaos. I remember walking from there all the way to, to my house, which it took me almost an hour and a half and you know during this whole chaotic thing going on sometimes you don't you know you don't pay attention if there's airplanes flying over you or not and i remember i know they grounded the airport at that time and i remember hearing like an airplane in the air and i'm like what it's an airplane i thought the airport was closed and it was uh i remember it was jet fighters uh crawl you know crisscrossing over the city um, and it was chaotic. I mean, I remember getting home and I'm like, wow, there's no cell phone service. And again, during that time, the cell phone was still in the emphasis stage. There was not smartphones at that time. Um, and, and it was very crazy because then the next day I had to come into work. I mean, I mean, that's how ignorant my company was. I used to work for Morgan Stanley. That's how ignorant they were. Uh, you, you had to come in and it was scary because you had to take the train, the subways, and you were scared there was going to be a bombing inside the subway trains. And, um, it was chaotic, man, and, and um, uh, just watching images of it after that and the scene and all that, it just messed my whole head up for, for i say for two or three years. Uh, I thought I lost my cousin down there because he walked, uh, he worked through in the Wall Street area because that was next to Wall, uh, Wall Street. Um, I thought I lost my cousin-in-law who was across the street with the planes hit. Um, but, you know, thankfully they were all right. But, you know, the loss of life down there. It was crazy. I mean, 20 years later, I was down there, I think, this past July, you know, just taking a walk or whatever. And it seems to me now that it's, it's not the same. I can't be around there because it's bringing back a lot of bad memories. Because I remember, I believe it was five days before the planes hit, I used to go down that, that area because they used to have a lot of clubs back then, you know, after work clubs that you go there, have a good time, whatever. And I remember... Uh, it was a Friday. I looked at those buildings. I used to love those buildings, the way they looked in the middle of the city and all that. And, you know, just uh, appreciating it. And then three days later, they were gone. Or oh, four days later, they were gone. They were no longer standing. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very sad. I just don't like going down there anymore. It's just bringing me back memory, bad memories about it. And, you know, there's a lot, a lot of people died down there. A lot of bodies were not recovered. Uh, first responders uh, had died because of the cancer and all that stuff. And, you know, we got to we got to give them the respect today because they were out there 
uh, almost six, seven months we trying to recover bodies and all that. And a lot of them died because of the fumes and the smoke out there, you know, and we got to give the respect for them today. Without a doubt. And, and like I said, thank you very much for sharing um, that with us here. Uh, and it's an awful, awful moment. And uh, we can only just send our love, of course. And uh, just, you know, 20 years on, just make sure that, you know, terrorism didn't win that day as we continue the fight as it is. But like I said, uh, just an incredible, incredible story. And it just puts it into perspective. Do you know what I mean? When you're actually living um, with it actually happening as well. Uh, absolutely crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, you know, um, but then again, you know, like I said, uh, I think they should have done, our government here should have done more for the first responders. A lot of them have died of cancer. Um, a lot of families, uh, I mean, not only adults died there. We were talking about, I think they had a, a daycare center. The little children died in there. Two years old, they showed a picture two years old this morning of a child that was in the daycare center. Uh, it's just a tragic. I mean, it's, it was so bad. I mean, I mean, and it affected. It also affected the economy because a lot of after two years later, a lot of people lost their job because you know the the World Trade Center has so many companies in those buildings. We're talking about 110 story high in each building, so that's 220 stories of companies in there. And once that happened, you know, the economy tanked. Um, you know, uh, things were not the same. I remember three weeks after the, the the towels fell, I went out there uh, to meet up with somebody, and you could smell the stench of steel and flesh, uh, and, and it was just that's the only thing that every time I go down there, I, it sticks in my memory because um, it, it's just you know I just can't go down there. That that's I tried to go around there like I said in July, everything now is secured and, and I think uh, it's kind of messed up that. You know, people's lives were lost, and now they're using it to benefit, uh, benefit financially now with this museum they created around here, uh, around the 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 the, the uh, footprints of the tower. So they're making money out of that. And my question, I always question, how much of that money going to the family that were lost in there? You know. Um, but again, you know, we just got uh, you know, respect the day, honor them. You know, and uh, and all this 300 and something, 300 plus firefighters that dies trying to save lives today. yeah like i said um and just like it's incredible incredible things there so um we'll, we'll move on from that and we'll speak about aew because like we said we'll we'll pick ourselves be one of the greatest shows of all time but we're going to start with a buying which was the 5th of september and the first 30 minutes consisted of footage from the countdown show that aired on tnt after rampage on friday night um, it had an excellent sit-down interview between JRC and Punk. Did you see any of this? Uh, yes, I did. Yes, um, and, and I love how CM Punk keeps talking about leaving the place that got him sick. So basically, what he was talking about is that backstage when he came back uh, to do the backstage stuff with Fox, um, and probably you know maybe Fox wanted him to sign with WWE because they knew he probably was going to be. A, a big commodity and you know wwe being petty like always uh probably thought otherwise and they went and ended up um canceling backstage even though they were not getting a lot of fans to that but listen cm punk just speaks from from the heart and i think uh that interview he had with jr was perfect i mean he pretty much explaining look you know they were talking for a year and a half with this guy a year and a half so he played this smart because he figured well I'm not joining a company that just started. 
Let's see what happens. And and he mentioned something about the Brody Lee when they did the Brody Lee uh, memorial show last December. Uh, that's what really, you know, uh, inspired him to come back, uh, come to AEW. It's the same thing with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan said the same thing. Everybody talks about that Brody Lee situation, um, and that's what made up his mind. Um, and it was a great interview. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, like I said, it's it's good shit, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. It sets the story of what we're going to see. Then we go into the arena with Scalab and Tony Schiavone on the commentary, hyping up the matches, of course, uh, the final fight. Uh, and, of course, uh, then we lead to the buy-in match, which is the Hardy family office versus Jurassic Express and the best friends. Um, we see a cheap chop block by Hardy to Luchasaurus. It's Derek Kicks for Mark Quinn and is there a prior party holding the babyface momentum. He actually broke down from there with Taylor Wheeler, Angelico and Evans all landed signature manoeuvres. Jurassic Express, they sparred with TH2 in a Paulist chicken fight. Michael Stump wiped out the blade at ringside to prevent the interference and Jungle Boy tapped Angelico out with the snare trap. What did you think of this? This is a great, good way to start the match. I mean, I was surprised that they didn't have anything for Jungle Boy, uh, the Jurassic Express team. Uh, they had him in the buy-in. But I figured that was going to happen because the scene now they got the best friend in Jurassic Express now as this big, gigantic group. And uh, the Hardy family keeps growing and growing uh, by, by, by a damn week. So a 10-man tag to start it off. I, I was a little skeptical about it because, you know, 10-man tag sometimes, you know, you wonder if these guys are going to be doing high-flying moves at 100 miles per hour. Uh, and I know my roommate kind of remind me of something that I believe last year we, were talk, we used to talk about, and this the the, the you know the, the two place suicidas and all this and you know and I'm I'm looking at um, AEW now. It's like they slowed down the matches and made it seem more like a, more of a storytelling type of matches where you don't have the guys flying 100 miles per hour. And this is one thing that I was worried about in this match, but it, it didn't it didn't happen that way. But uh, you know, Jungle Boy, I'm telling you, this guy, and what is him and Darby Allen, these guys are the future of, of the company, and um, I see them with championships very soon. But the aftermath was very, very uh, interesting. I'll let you, tell, think, you. I'll well, let you talk about that one. I'm about to say, like, this, this is the thing with uh, private part. Uh, I think talk about the match in itself. The, yeah. uh, you know, there's a nice multi-man submission in it. There's great action on each other's shoulders as well. The thing I was going to say, is Jungle Boy now more popular than Orange Cassidy? The private party, uh, they were they were kind of on the cusp of greatness and now they're jobbing out in a pre-show. So you've got kind of two superstar, or oh, two wrestlers, two or a team and a wrestler that kind of lost a bit of momentum. Yeah, but you know, but, but you got to think about it this way though. They got too many wrestlers in there. They roster as, I mean, like, I, like I, we talked about it the last time, the only thing they need now is Bray Wyatt. And once they get Bray Wyatt, they don't, they don't need to get anybody else unless they're going to get Kevin Owens because Owens' contract ends in January. So I see him coming to um, AEW. But they got too many guys in there. And this, I think um, this is one of the reasons of, I think they're uh, they doing all this. I mean, I don't think they want to split uh, Jurassic Express. And Oris Cassidy, you know, his gimmick is not, his gimmick is not going to any further than what it is right now, you know? Uh, two popular guys, yes, but you know I think Jungle Boy is gonna probably elevate to the next level, maybe in a couple of months. We'll see, and especially I see him uh, feuding with Adam Cole. So. We'll be interested to see what happens. What are you gonna score that out of five? 
Uh, I'll give it a three and three quarters. It, it was interesting because uh, after the aftermath of that, uh, pretty much shows that this this little few here is not over. I t- tell the people what was the aftermath. <laughs> well, the HFO attacked the hills after the match, and the butcher turned to join them by attacking Orange Cassidy. Varsity Blondes, Dante Martin, and members of the Dark Order, other baby faces, ran out to the ring to run the hills out before Evans could cut off Cassidy's hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now my thing is this: uh, I was very surprised to see Dark Order members there, so I, I didn't get that part. And now, uh, and you know that we've seen what's going on with Dark Order. There's a lot of uh, you know back and forth going on. So that really threw me off when I saw. I believe it was ten and five. And I believe I saw, I think I saw Silver and Reynolds in there. So that really threw me off that they came out along with the uh, the Varsity Blondes to help Orange Cassidy. But, you know, but, the, but this tells you right now, this is not over. This is going to be a bigger feud. Uh, I like the whole, the way they started it. Um, and the only thing I was worried about it was going to be that type of 10-man tag where everybody's flying in dumping this up on each other catching each other and we didn't see that and it was an interesting match and it really much pretty much just showed that this storyline here was the return of the butcher and of course jungle boy elevated to another level yeah i think about that well prediction was it was triple threat predictions uh with of course myself jacksy and uh the ultimate one and or chokes and reports it was and we all went for the faces so one nil to start poll wise the faces got 79 percent of that um and then we get dan Lambert cut the promo from luxury box andre oloski hargo masvidal junior just santos if you page and scorpion sky with him page and sky also talked out he said the roster knows that the men of the year are extremely dangerous men but sometimes you have to take it to the next level he said we'll step out of the comfort zone and into the danger zone with american top team and Lambert said their men just waiting instructions on when to kick his ass not bad stuff so before we get onto the main show what is the match you're most looking forward to and what is the excitement level for the event oh wow i was uh oh my god which match uh i would you know what's funny the match that i was looking for was the cm punk and the darby allen but also the tag team title match those were the two matches i wasn't really worrying about the main event match because i already knew that kenny omega probably was going to win that match anyway it was just a matter of what happened after the match. But I was looking forward for the CM Punk, Darby Allen. I wanted to see how CM Punk looked. Uh, you could tell he still got a little weight on him. Uh, but it was interesting. It was a good, interesting match. And um, that was the match that I was looking forward to. I'm like, I hope CM Punk looks good. He doesn't look, uh, you know, fat, out of shape, you know, a close guy too much. So he looked like he had a little weight on him. But give him a few months and he'll be back to himself. Uh, if them so that was the match I was looking for, plus the cage match uh, with the tag team belts. I think without a doubt. But we're going to get started. Like I said, September 5th, 2021, AEW All Out in Chicago, Illinois. We start with a TNT Championship, Miro versus Eddie Kingston. We'll say fair play to AEW. We've seen a lot of build-ups. There's no point wasting time on the kind of promo videos leading into it. And as we go to Miro and Eddie Kingston, we see Eddie has all been a lot of punishment, including the power slam off the apron, but fought his way back into the match. Wiping the champion out with a toe pace who receded to the floor. Miro gained the upper hand and applied his game on submission finisher, but Kingston fought to the ropes, necessitating a break. Referee Bryce Vimsberg moved a turnbuckle pad for the ring 
in a DDT and several seconds of a pinfall attempt by the challenger. Rimsberg prevented Kingston from throwing Miro into the exposed turnbuckle, allowing the champion to deliver an undetected low blow and scored a tainted victory with the masculine kick. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Oh, man. This match, the way they started at this pay-per-view, it was a great way to start the pay-per-view because we're talking about a guy like Eddie Kingston. They, you know, No matter what you do with him, you hit him or whatever, he's going to fight. He's going to fight. Now, the crazy part of this match, I mean, as good as it was, was was the referee was supposed to do that? Go put the turnbuckle back? I man, I nearly lost it out of my head. I'm like, what are you doing? Pin, what are you taking the damn, you know, turnbuckle to the other side? But, you know, I guess that was part of the match. Uh, the match itself was great because, I mean, it, it had everything that you expected. You know, Mero trying to avoid, you know, um, getting hit with DDTs and chopped in the neck. And Eddie was going with his plan, going after the neck, going after the neck, the chops. Um, I mean, and, you know, and then the Saito suplex. I mean, this was the match. And, and even though he hit him with the little blow, but and that's the way it ended. But it's good because it shows you that this is not over. This is not a one and done deal, you know. Uh, so they're probably going to meet up again somewhere down the line, maybe from here to November, uh, unless Miro, you know, Guest challenged by somebody else. Oh, but this match, man, it, it, it was awesome. It was everything I expected. It did not disappoint me. And I want to see them go at it again. Right. Uh, I mean, great reaction for Eddie. You know, Eddie Kingston is a great story in AEW of someone maybe, you know, not universally known as is knuckled down, kind of got on with it, and the crowd are responding to it. A phenomenal atmosphere to start the show. And yeah, a couple of missteps, but you got to love two big men going at it the most punishment of jeopardy for Miro and the state of Miro's chest as well and like you said you fucked up chance at least the fans went with the story referee not being in position so then Eddie is protected from that uh, out of five what would you score because I'm going to give it a 3.95 just under four just because a few timing uh, issues I, 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 I'll give it a, a, a four point because it was everything that I expected and, and, and like it's the whole storyline look Eddie, Eddie Kingston came out with this shirt. <laughs> I, I got to get this shirt. Uh, what uh, what he told Miro, I think it was a ramp, he said, redeem these nuts. He came out with that shirt, came out the <laughs> following day. And I'm like, yo, I got to get that. And it's just the storytelling. And it's that to start off a show like that with a storytelling, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and the way you already had the buy-in, the buy-in was great. That you had storytelling and then, the referee, and like you said, yeah, the referee probably was not, was supposed to do that. So then if Miro beat him, he'll beat him with a cheap shot, and the referee wasn't on point. So it protects Eddie at the same time, but also protects Miro because Miro is, you know, this is this guy. You know, he's the redeemer, and, and you know, uh, you can't beat him. But he had to do a cheap shot because Eddie Kingston almost beat him. So I'll give it a four. A four. Uh, this match was good. That is a good way to start it. A pay-per-view and you know a, a match like that sets off the momentum of a pay-per-view yeah without a shadow of that and i said this to jackson on our kind of uh as it were like the the 
running order of this paper was so important and started off the show uh, really, really well. Prediction-wise, we all went Miro, so it's all two all at the moment. Poll-wise, Miro got 71%. The action continued quickly as John Moxley faced Satsuri Kojima. And the competitors engaged in a hard-hitting battle and left the chests of both men beat red. Neither combatant earned a sustained advantage, but Kojima did deliver a big suplex and followed with a DT on the ring apron. Back and forth nature of the match continued with Mox final success with a cross-arm break. His opponent with a laviat. The Japanese star delivered chops inspired by Tenzan, but Moxley shook them off, delivered consecutive paragraph shifts to earn a grueling pinfall victory. After the match, Minori Suzuki debuted and came face to face with Moxley. They exchanged punishing forearms for the King Cook with the rear naked choke, then transitioned into the Gotch power driver and stood tall uh, to close things out. I mean, what were your thoughts on the match and what happened afterwards? Uh, this is what I tell you, um, J- uh, James. You have to watch New Japan Pro Wrestling because this is uh, this is what you saw was New Japan Pro Wrestling at its best. I mean, Kojima, I mean, as old as this man is, he still has it, especially when he does those machine gun chops in the corner. And this is if anybody's into New Japan or don't know about New Japan Pro Wrestling, what you saw between Moxley and Kojima, that's New Japan Pro Wrestling. Hard hitting, stiff shots, chops. And, you know, they're going to do all kinds of moves, either Saito so, so, you know, suplex, power drivers, anything, you name it. This is, uh, you know, New Japan. Pro, I mean, I love the match because, again, like I said, I'm a big New Japan pro wrestling fan. And I, I'll watch these guys beat the crap out of each other so somebody can't fight no more. And the fact that Minoru Suzuki, who is like one of my favorite old school Japanese wrestlers, I mean, ain't nobody bad. He's a badass. For a 52-year-old guy, he's a badass. And the fact that he laid out Moxley, and I seen these guys wrestle with each other. Last year, I think it was uh, uh, in Japan, I think it was February. I don't remember what was the pay-per-view, but they, these guys fought each other. And it, it was for the IWGP United States title. And I knew that when these guys were going to meet up on Dynamite, it was not going to disappoint anybody. Because these guys, when they hit, they hit stiff, stiff shots, and you saw it. I mean... I mean, this match uh, between uh, Kojima and, and, and Moxley, I, I give it a, a three and three quarters uh, because uh, I think if they would have given it a little bit more time, it would have been much better. But the fact that Minoru Suzuki popped out, and, and it's incredible. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough in 2019 to see Minoru Suzuki live in Madison Square Garden at the G1 Supercar. And I remember entering the garden to go to my seat, and his music is playing because they had the... the uh, the honor rumble going on. And I mean, anytime Minoru Suzuki is somewhere in any way, any match and El Kojima, you're going to have fun, whoever they're wrestling. So this match was great. I, I gave it, I, I got a three and three quarters because it should have lasted no longer, but because of the, how many matches they had, uh, it, it, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Wrestling against all odds for impact and an AEW all out is a great year for Kojima. And Mox, of course, repping GCW now. And this was hard hit, but the kind of winner was never in doubt. Better than expected. But the reaction, and this is what makes AEW special as well, is the fans behind uh, when, you know, we see Suzuki coming out as well. Uh, and, of course, their match that they had on Dynamite was as hard-hitting as anything else. And what New Japan World does, anybody wants to kind of subscribe to that, 
the monthly thing is I was lucky enough to watch uh, all the Moxie's kind of uh, US title defences, which included Suzuki. So when he kind of popped up, I thought, oh, that's brilliant because you still it's long term storytelling still. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Which is, mm-hmm. you know, switching to AEW, which is great uh, for me again. Yeah. Three and three quarters out of five. Uh, really, really fun, especially the blood on Suzuki from Moxley after the match when they're exchanging. It's just, you know, great. Uh, like I said, predictions all went Moxley, so it's 3-0. Poll-wise, 80% went for Mox. And then we go to the AEW World Women's Championship. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Chris Statlander. And Rebel and Jamie Hayter accompanied the title holder to the ring while Orange Cassidy seconds the challenger. And Statlander overwhelmed her opponent early with a strength and size advantage, but Baker downed her, worked for over in the centre and brought the doctor crash to the map with a devastating superplex. Luckily, Statlander protected uh, Britt. She attempted the area 451 splash, but came up empty. The challenger crashed to the floor thanks to the missed pendulum moonsault. But Baker made a pay for it with a stomp to the stairs. I fired up Cassidy to as she gets back in the ring, and she did. Baker delivered a Pittsburgh sunrise and added a stomp, followed by a lockjaw moments later to retain her title. What were your thoughts on this? Oh, let me tell you something. Uh, the funny thing is, I think this match was pretty good. It, it, it was pretty good. The fact is to see Oris Cassidy actually get mad and tell Chris Stan to get in the ring, it was hilarious. I've never seen that man ever upset. And uh, it was pretty good. Um, I think Stan Lander showed that she still um, she could be in the title hunt. Uh, but Britt Baker is getting good. She's getting good by the every 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 time she defends her title. Now what's funny was when she hit that uh, uh, Sunset Power Driver or whatever they call us. Adam Cole does. I was like, wow, she's using her boyfriend's move, and, and I was like, and then it crossed my mind that probably Adam Cole would show up. But just seeing her do that, I said, well, he's probably going to show up down the line, you know, maybe a couple of weeks or whatever. But you know, again, you know, um, I think uh, what they did with Chris Statlander in this match, pretty much they gave her the title shot because she's uh, she's been doing great, whatever, but I don't think right now, Rip, I think with Rip Baker, I mean, she's going to keep beating everybody in there. Um, right now, uh, I don't think I'll see nobody beating her. This match, I give it probably uh, uh, three and three quarters. Or actually, actually, three and a half, because um, I think Stan Landa uh, did a little bodges in there. I mean, she still could improve, um, but she went for the 450 area splash, and she missed. Uh, but it, it was it was pretty decent for a women's match compared to you know most of the time you see in AEW this was a pretty decent match. Britt Baker I don't think she has had any bad matches. Um, I, I haven't seen none in the last year and a half. But you know Stan Landed you know sometimes look like little green I think. But yeah you know, I gotta give her time you know. But she's still gonna be in that hunt. You know I'll see her there in the in the women's uh, title hunt. Yeah I mean I think my whole color night is a placement. And the treatment of the women's division, because um, if you don't treat as important, then the AEW fans will treat it as such. You know, like yeah. guys getting snacks in the front row as they did. Some really solid stuff in this, but the fans didn't believe Chris would beat Baker. Like I said, you've got to build up legitimate challenges for someone as strong as Baker. But the finish was ace as well. Like I said, the near finish with the uh, Panama Sunrise. I'm going to give it three and three quarters out of five. Prediction-wise, we all went Baker, so we're four and oh at the moment, and one percent. Uh, of the vote. And then Ajade Eldello is interviewed backstage about Pax travel issues. He said he's here to fight and he wouldn't miss a show and Chavago during July's 
cancelling Pax fight, insisting that actually Bastard is just scared. Uh, when you look at the card, I mean, where would that fit in anyway? So you could, we're kind of glad that he missed the show, even though it would have been a banger. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the only reason, I don't know if if, if it was legit that Pac had travel issues, um, um, but when the card would you would have had that, I think they would have had that uh, probably the third match before Baker's match, probably, because you're talking about Pac and Andrade, two guys that you're going to have to get them at least 15 to 20-minute match, at least. You're not going to give them a five-minute match with two guys with that type of wrestling skills and ability. You know, um, you know. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I think there were too many matches. It probably would have been short. So probably Tony Khan figured, like, look, you know, I don't know how legit it was if Pac did was having tra- travel issues. And then again, if he is, I'm saying to myself, why are you traveling back and forth to to UK and then back to the United States? I don't know if he got other other uh, endeavors uh, across the pond. I, I don't know, but uh, I mean, you know, I don't know where he would have fit. You they had like about seven matches in there, so I'm, I'm glad that they didn't do it. You know, I still haven't watched Rampage from last night, but I want to see that match. But you know, but you know, and it's funny. I don't know if, if you could agree with me, but the Chavo Guerrero was talking about, oh, I didn't do that. Like, it's like Andrade's don't trust him if he's doing something wrong. So unless they're trying to set up something where um, Andrade gets rid of Chavo Guerrero Jr. and brings in Ric Flair as his consultant, I mean, that could happen because, I mean, I thought at first they were going to have this old Mexican uh, faction where, like, the Lucha Bros will probably turn on Pac, and then you have Andrade's with them, or they become the new death triangle with Chavo Guerrero. But I don't know. Now that the Lucha Bros won the tag team belts, that that's not going to happen. So I don't know. I mean, it's kind of iffy when it comes to that with Andrade. And I don't know where they're going to go with this Park and Andrade feud, but we'll see. Without doubt, we'll talk about Rampage a little bit. But up next, the AEW tag team match, Steel Cage. The Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros. And Pedro Zemredo and Rare Phoenix sporting headdresses as their theme song was performed live for the first time. The Young Bucks followed with the AW Tag Team Champions oozing confidence despite not having the good brothers. Brandon Cutler and Don Callis available for backup due to a steel cage stipulation. Uh, I thought the, uh, the entrances were fucking crazy. At, oh, yeah. As in brilliant and such a big fight feel, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know who those guys were. I mean, because I followed with music and all that stuff, you know, or with the hip hop scene, whatever. I never even heard of these guys. And the whole entrance was just awesome. I mean, the whole headgear. I mean, it was just awesome. I'm like, you can't, I don't think you you couldn't do anything better than that. That that was awesome. The entrance and the whole thing. So it gave that big fight feel where, you know, there was something special was going to happen. And that's the case, match. Well, the action was fast and furious, innovative. As one would imagine, based on their previous encounters, the Bucks dominated the action, using their tandem offense to keep Penta and Phoenix from adding anything resembling a sustained comeback. The Bucks attempted to dishonor their opponents by ripping out the masks. Uh, masks and Penta bled under his shredded face covering when injury further exploited after the champs introduced a special boot adorned with thumbtacks. They used it on the challenges, but Lucha Brothers refused to stay down. Bloodied and battered, Phoenix made a courageous comeback, giving Matt and Nick Jackson some of their own medicine by way of tax. Penta and Matt delivered a stereo package parking apron laying each other's younger sibling. From there, Penta delivered an avalanche destroyer on Matt 
Your champions delivered a fear factor for an earful as Matt just broke up the pin. Felix scaled the cage and Nick attempted to join him only to bump to the mat below. And Felix soared off the top, wiping everyone out. They join in Penta for the spike pile driver on Nick. And ladies and gentlemen, your new AEW tag team champions, Lucha Brothers, uh, Penta and Ray Phoenix. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Um, This match, I mean, the fact that, that there was blood in there. I mean, I, I mean, you, you listen, they put it with the Young Bucks are doing everything possible for everybody to hate them. I mean, for them to come out with a pair of Nikes with thumbtacks on it and to use it on these guys, they even broke the mask. Now, the thing with the mask, I, I'm not too crazy with that one. They try to rip the, the guy's mask off, and now you can see their face. I don't know why they do that. I, I'm not too crazy about that. But the whole thing, like, the whole match, I mean, because the Young Bucks took control very early when they were doing, like, they threw power bomb. They threw uh, Phoenix in a power bomb on the cage. I mean, they started beating on on, on Penta with the uh, with the sneaker. I mean, this was great. Listen, the Canadian Destroyer, I believe, it was from the second rope or the top rope. I think it was from the top rope. Yeah. That was crazy. I, I was surprised. How in the hell did Matt Jackson get up from that? Because he hit <laughs> head first on the canvas. It wasn't like some some guys when they do that Canadian destroy they tuck their head a little bit in so they don't you know they don't feel the impact straight into the cranium. Matt Jackson hit straight cranium first into the mat. I'm like, you you know, you 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 don't know how to rate it because these guys had a, a match two years ago called Escalera de la Muerte, which is the death, the ladder of death, and that match was re- retarded. I mean, when I mean retarded, it was just out of control. I think I, I think I, I, I think I think uh Penta hit I don't know if it was Nick Jackson on a Canadian destroyer on the ladder while the ladder was against the, the 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 ring and the railing outside. I mean you would think they won't be able to top this but that move a top bro Canadian destroyer and it was I was like this these guys are gonna kill each other. But the match itself Listen, I, I, I it's gonna sound crazy because I have not seen tag team wrestling like this in a while, and I will give this a four and a half because if any, if people go probably be like, oh he's crazy, what do you mean four and a half? And I say it's four and a half. It was that good. That's this Monday, WWE tried to do a tag team turmoil, whatever they want to call it, and they don't use tag teams. They don't got tag team. That's how good it was. Okay. You can't top that. I will get this a four and a half stars. Uh, Call me crazy. Four and a half. (laughs) I don't call you crazy. Like I said, all that 2019 ladder match was mental between these two. Uh, But now with the Bucks as heels, I mean, Nick as a heel has been fire. And Ray Phoenix just makes me wow. And I don't think there's a ref. I mean, there was one point where he he sprung off the side of the cage like he was Spider-Man. You know, yes. and then jive. And then, you know, you see him running across the top of the cage as well. Uh, Tony on commentary telling Donnie's for the shit. You wouldn't get that in WWE. And that's kind of like about the um, commentator's table. Penta with the, the ace juice job, as it was. I mean, even later, you see the title belts covered in his blood. And it's literally blood, sweat and tears. The crowd loved it. I loved it. This is tag team wrestling. For me, it's a match of the year candidate. Out of five, you think four and a half, I'm going to give this five out of five because this was Ooh, incredible. Wow. You do five not get this elsewhere. Five. You do oh, not. Okay. This is tag team wrestling. So let me ask you a question. I'm going to put you in the spot. So you think they match in 2019, the ladder of death, 
was not better than this. I think this was better because of the story because of it. Like I said, we had to have the match. It's like TLC and TLC 2. You had to have the first match, but this kind of set it up. And the, and the crowd reaction when the Bucks, they thought the Bucks were going to retain. And they kind of got silent. And then the roar from the crowd when the Lucha Brothers actually get the job done as well. And you go, this is a moment in time. This is Tag Team Wrestling. Just thank you very much, AEW, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, this match, I mean, again, I, I remember that their match two years ago at the uh, All Out 2019. But this, I mean, just the, the Canadian Destroyer from the top row. And, and that, that alone right there. And for Matt to take a, a bump like that is amazing, you know, because a lot of people would be like, oh, I don't think I want to take that bump because it's a dangerous bump. He didn't tuck his head in or nothing. He took that bump cranium first. So, I mean, it was unbelievable. That's why I say WWE didn't try to come back two nights later. Oh, actually, the night, the night after with this tag team turmoil, you're not going to top the tag teams on AEW. I mean, they mentioned it. They mentioned it in 2019 that they were going to be about tag team wrestling. And you've seen that. I mean, the Lucha Bros winning the tag team titles. And, I mean, I would have thought that probably Proud Powerful would have took it, take it away from them. That didn't happen. We thought FTR was going to take away a belt. They actually took the belts from FTR. That didn't happen. I mean, when I, 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 at first I thought, well, Jurassic Express has a chance, second chance to take the belt. Yeah. But for them to give it to the Lucha Bros, I mean, you can't ask for anything better. Ray Phoenix is just masterful. Yeah. And it's not the it, worst. Like I said, they are they are all stars in their own right. You know, it's just incredible, incredible stuff. Just pleased to see it. Uh, Prediction-wise, uh, yourself and Jaxie went for the Lucha Bros. I went for the Bucks. So you both take it. Well, it's a 5-5-4 five, five, uh, now. So you're both uh, joint in the lead. Poll-wise, the Bros. Uh, 62%. They show clips of the matches we've seen. And then the Women's Casino Battle Royale. So we've got Big Swole, the Bunny, Thunder Rose, Red Velvet, Take On T, Penelope Ford, Diamante. But I tell you what, we'll just do the order of entry first because the clubs were Kerashida, Sky Bunny, and Abdomen. Sky Blue was the crowd favourite. Abdomen was eliminated just as quick. I don't know what happened with her kind of push. Uh, Diamonds, Anna J, Kira Hogan, Killing King, Diamante, Nada Rose. I, I like Hogan for obvious reasons. Management kind of didn't. Impact Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, AEW didn't really like her, so they, they kind of uh, got rid of her pretty quickly. Diamante, she won on the NWA in power recently, and kind of, they didn't yeah. even mention it. I think that was a bit of a yeah, missed yeah, opportunity. Yeah, I don't think, I don't, I don't even think, the fact that Kiara Hogan, I do agree, I mean, and I was telling that to my roommate, like, how they had put up with Jay Carhill, I think, the, the rampage of that week and she lost to Jay Carhill very quickly. I'm like, you're putting Kiara Hogan, who's a veteran already. She's been in the business for a while. Former Impact Knockouts Tag Team Champion, not once, but twice. And you bring her in and it looks like they don't even want her in there. So why even have her in the, the She got eliminated too quick and I agree with that. Well, the Hearts were next and Thunder Rose of Penelope Ford, Rio, Jamie Hayter with Big Swole. Rio got a great reaction, then it's supposed to be eliminated. Rosa lost some of her buzz as well. And the Space take Hunty, Red Velvet, Layla Hirsch and Jade Cargill with Rebel. And then Ruby Soho was the Joker. And Cargill looked impressive while was eliminating the Gorilla Press Slam that sent Hirsch to the floor. She's lucky she had uh, nipple pads as well because they were all over the place at that point. <laughs> Hayter <laughs> found the opponents out of the ring while I was in. 
Velvet, and he rivals Soho. That drew the biggest reaction of the match as the fans in Chicago embraced her. Rose held cargo at the end to the short-lived union. She had a Conte to Alyssa to eliminate competitors, leaving her up against Soho and Rosa. Rose sent Nyla packing drop, kicking the former world champ to the floor. A tense battle on the ring open then ended with Soho kicking Rose to the floor and booking a date with Britt Baker. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? This was a pretty decent, um, very decent uh, battle royal. Because, it, it, you know, some people don't like women wrestling. And some people won't be invested in watching the, the you know, uh, Casino Barrera. Because I have heard a lot of people, oh, I don't like battle royals. and this is. Uh, The reason was because I wanted to see who was the Joker. Uh, we both knew probably it was going to be Ruby Riot or uh, Ruby Soho now, no. But I wanted to see the order of who was coming in, who was not. I was surprised to see uh, Abaddon. I haven't seen Abaddon in kind of how long. And then I know that Sky Blue uh, chick, I know they were putting, they, everybody wanted her to be part of the Battle Royal, um, you know, because she was from Chicago. I think, she, they, you know, if you want, you know, if you want to put someone uh, native from the city, you cannot have it in the Battle Royal get eliminated first. She was the first one getting eliminated. And I was like, what the hell is going on with that? Uh, Abaddon, I don't know why they had her there. I mean, I haven't seen this girl. God knows how long. The rest of the crowd in there, it was interesting. Uh, I love what what happened with uh, Nyla Rose and Jada Carhill. Nyla Rose eliminated Jada Carhill. And yeah, Carhill was having problems with her with her ring gear. Her breasts were all over the place and, and whatnot. Um, but the, the fact that Ruby Soho came out, this is the part I think I love. Out of all the uh, the whole uh, battle royal was Ruby Soho coming out. You could tell that when she came out, she felt a uh, relief that everybody was going crazy for her. And I like her gear. And then the backstage is the runaway, where it's supposed to show you, you know, I ha- now I got to run away from all that nonsense I was in WWE and in catering, and now I'm here. Now I could be me, you know. Uh, so I like the reaction she got from that. The uh, I, I love what AEW did. They they left her there with uh, Thunder Rosa, which I know a lot of people probably be like, oh, what the hell? WWE VJ goes and takes out Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa had a great match with Britt Baker, but no, it's about storyline. It's about story. Now it's the same thing that Adam Page is doing right now. They're doing it with Thunder Rosa. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're giving her legs. So she wrestles whoever and gets into a feud with Jay Carhill, Nyla Rose, whatever. And at the end, she's going to end up meeting Britt Baker down the line. May not be this year, maybe the beginning of next year. But the fact that they gave it to Ruby Soho also tells you that it's like a, a, a it's like telling uh, WWE, look, we may not have the best roster, we may not have the best roster as far as AEW as quality wise, but we're building and we will give anyone an opportunity. Doesn't matter if they were in catering five years, we're gonna give an opportunity. We're gonna show you how we do our stuff here. Yeah, without a doubt, you know. I think Saho did save this match after being placed after the tag match. I think anything after placed after that would be trouble. Uh I still like I said, Rosa maybe shouldn't, but hopefully bigger picture. Like you talked about Adam Page is a perfect example of someone Thunder Rosa with that kind of momentum. Uh, out of five, it, it was all right. I'm going to give it a three and a half because Soho and Rosa at the end kind of saved it. What would you score it? Yeah, same thing, three and a half. Um, um, they, 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 I guess, I think what this is one of their best, probably one of the best, I'm going to say one of the best battle royals they have with the woman. I think the first one they ever did was the best one. 
Um, and that was in 2019, I think, in Double or Nothing. The first year they did Double or Nothing. Uh, and it was cool because at least they made their they hometown hero, Sky Blue, come in. We thought she was eliminated first. But also there was a storyline being built already there. As far as now you're going to have Nyla Rose and Jada Carhill probably going to have a face-off somewhere down the line. Um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, um, we just got to watch and see what happens. I mean, and like I said, it was three and a half. It was, it was pretty good. Yeah, and they will say they were singing uh, Ruby Soho's theme, which is always a good sign. A prediction, all Ruby is a joker. And uh, we went, as two of us went Rosa, Jackson went Conti, so it's still 5-4-4 with predictions or five five four even sorry and poll wise uh rose have got 39 percent joker was 37 and cargill 80 percent and then next i've kind of forgotten about this even in like the, the, the couple of days afterwards here we go up next chris jerker versus mjf if jerker loses will not wrestle in AEW again we get mjf's entrance start with tease that it was jericho coming out because they played a version of the countdown clock that was shown for jericho's WWE debut jericho had a live rendition of his theme played by billy gray from fozzy uh great but a kind of the crowd manipulation from mjf i think was really good i think the fozzy guitarist enjoyed it more than the fans did because he was playing a bit too fast for him to sing along it's yeah. like yeah. slow it down a little I, bit yeah i was like what the hell are you doing like i i, I was like he's messing it up well here we go into the match man the demo god took the fight to the stands and attempt to pummel the hill into the oblivion wise beyond his years low mjf exploited an opening target the arm of his opponent he dominated the action delivered the heat seek onto the ring apron that nearly ended his rival's career never launched like a bomb from mjf halt jerko's momentum but further injured the loud mouth's hill lower back as jerko delivered a code break award low at the arena but was fended off by jake hager distraction allowed mjf to blast his foe with floyd the baseball bat he followed up the Judas effect and pinned the veteran for free. Despite the Hall of Famer competitor draping his foot on the bottom rope, referee Paul Turner arrived, informed Aubrey Edwards of an error in the match which he started. The demo got escaped an arm bar applied the walls of Jericho. The talk of the lower back was insufferable, and the MGF tapped out in the inner circle celebrated with Jericho after the match. What were your thoughts on this? The match the match was good. Um and the ending part was like kind of confusing because I'm like since when the referees, uh, this is the first time ever I saw an AEW that a referee comes in and tries to, like, say, oh, no, this guy did this in the match or whatever. So I, I said to myself, there's no way that MJF's going to win. But then I see this, and I'm like, oh, shit, uh, what happened here, you know? Um, but is it me, or is the pinnacle not being a group anymore? Like, <laughs> the the warlord comes out by himself, and I'm like, you know, if, if you're trying to be this faction where you're trying to get wins the cheap way, whatever, like the whole four horsemen back in the days, you would do stuff where, how you call it, where, you know, you will distract the referee, another one guy comes in, hits him with a title belt, whatever, and, you know, but we're not seeing that. And, and I'm saying to myself, where is Jericho's inner circle, guys? You know, because nowhere in the mass has said, then the inner circle guys cannot get in, you know? So that was a part that I was, like, a little bit questioning about it. Like, why are the Pinnacles not around? Why is the inner circle? Only Warlord comes out. But, see, when I asked those questions, the following week, they probably pretty much tell you why they're doing it. So I have a feeling after this match that uh, Warlord and MJ is going to have a fallout. But let's talk about this match. This match was pretty good. Uh, you know, um, 
I think this one was way better than they, uh, the uh, the labels of Jericho, the last match that they had. I, I don't know if it was because of time, but, but this match was way better. Jericho looked in more relaxed. Uh, uh, even though MJF, you know, did his little cheap shot stuff or whatever, but this match was pretty good, except the ending of the part of the match where they went and they restarted the match, and I'm like, okay, you know, I guess they don't want Jericho to leave um, because they don't want him in the uh, in the commentary stuff. I'll give this match compared to the first one they had. I'll give it three and three quarters. Could have been a little better, but. It was much better than the last labor, uh, the five labors of, of Jericho. Yeah, I mean, I kind of had enough of this feud, and I didn't think it needed <laughs> to be on. And I, I kind of think it didn't need to be on pay per view because we've seen it so many times. But um, Jericho did look good. I mean, what the fuck was that with that finish? Because you're never going to see it again. Like I hate it, you know, because it's just stupid. The referees don't get involved. We haven't got replays why why do that the fans set it up don't get me wrong and jericho should have got the win that he should have done a month ago and mgf still got that future tag you know uh, yeah. so it'll be interesting like you said and what we see in dynamite with wardlow not too bad i'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five for me um the predictions you all went jericho so it's six six five still poll wise jericho 80 percent and then a match i think most people were looking forward to was uh cm punk versus darby allen and that was next. And for the first time, since January 2014, CM Punk competed in a pro wrestling match. The, the entrances, the atmosphere, the intensive which the combatants approached the contest reflected that sentiment too. Punk is now wearing long tights, and I think he was in quite good shape. I don't think I've been excited for an AEW match, like any AEW match. To see CM Punk come back, I think a lot of people would have bought this pay-per-view and they'd be watching Dynamite for the past couple of weeks just because of CM Punk. That would be fair to say, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, because, uh, you know, we're talking about a guy who's been out of wrestling for seven years, you know, and everybody wanted him back, you know, and he pretty much, uh, you know, delayed it, delayed it, delayed it. I mean, and I understand why he delayed it because he, he didn't want to come back to, the, to a company where it's going to only last for like, a, you know, a couple of, uh, maybe a year maybe six months, and then he's out of a job again. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I would say, you know, you have to do what's, you know, what's best for yourself. You're not going to jump on a on a company. But like he said on the interview, it was the Brody Lee situation, the, the memorial to what they did, that brought him in to do what he had to do, you know. And, um, I mean, and he, even though he, I, I was expecting to come out with the shorts and the knee pads and whatever, you know, um, but it was nice to see him being that ring. You could tell he's a little heavy, but then again, this guy's been out of wrestling for seven years, and he still looked good. I mean, I mean, and the, and the match itself was good. Well, we got a chair at the bell, and Punk weathered the early storm and cut Allen down with an Irish whip. That sent his opponent crashing into the ring post. Man handled his opponent from there, consulting him into the abdominal stretch made famous by Wilbur Schneider, rocking him with a running knee in the corner and flattening him with a clothesline. When he's in, Allen fought back by throwing his body around the ring. He rocked the best of the world with a flipping senton. Punk suckered his rival in the foul coffin drop, quickly found himself fighting out the last supper pin. Allen tried for the poison runner, but Punk countered into the go to sleep for the pin full victory. Uh, what were your thoughts on it then? Man, let me tell you something. The match was everything that you expected. The match was, again, I'm going to keep saying it because uh, my, my roommate pretty much reminded me. He said, you see AEW now, a lot of these wrestlers 
are not going at 120 miles per hour in the match. Uh, Darby Adams is one of those guys that when he he's in the in the match, and I'm sure you want to impress the fans, whatever. But they took their time in, in that wrestling match, uh, going hole to hole. Uh, and you can see that Darby was showing his little, you know, uh, chain wrestling skills. At one point, he arm dragged CM Punk, letting him know, look, you know, you, you may not be ready for for this. Uh, but at the end, you know, they, he did everything he can. CM Punk caught up with the GTS. And, uh, I mean, I would like to see another match between them two. But this time, one of them got to be you, you know? Um, yeah. Or you don't even have to do that. I mean, they prove they, prove they don't have to be – no one has to be heel as long as there's a good match. So uh, we'll see if they have another match. Uh, I'll give this match uh, – I'll say a, a, a three and three quarters. And, again, you know, I think because of the time and how many matches went in that pay-per-view – um, I think they could have put a little longer, but at three and three quarters, I, I, I'll give it to. You know, I would like to give it a four, but the time. That's just what it is, the time. Yeah, I mean, this was a slow burner. Punk needs to kind of find his groove working at a slower pace to begin with. Uh, obviously, people are comparing it to Bret Hart versus one, two, three kid as well. But maybe they're taking a couple of moments. But there's no point paying, you know, paying homage to a, a match like that. Really nice closing sequence uh, as well. Like I said, Derby did well. I think it's the first time Chicago charting an opponent's name versus Punk. I cannot remember that in any other way. And that's credit to Derby Allen. And like I talk about with CM Punk, it's all well and good. But just wait until CM Punk's um, kind of heel run. That is going to be money, you know, at the moment. Oh, it's it's you, all good as if it is, but... And you know that when he's at the... He, if he does the heel stuff, you know his pipe bombs are coming. Yeah. You know... <laughs> that's what I look forward to. The pipe bombs, they come. Even now when he's a, a, a fan favorite, I mean, and, and no matter what, whether he's heel or not in Chicago, he's a favorite. But what, when he does his pipe bombs... You know, it's just great. And and, and now that he's going to probably uh, start feuding with Team Taz, uh, I, I'm telling you right now, uh, a Ricky Starks versus CM Punk, that's going to be another classic. Well, I'll tell you another thing I really, really liked about this, obviously, with Punk and Allen, but Sting coming down afterwards and shaking mm-hmm. CM Punk's hand and then Punk shaking Darby Allen's hand. Like you said, the three generations of wrestlers there and the way they did it, I think it was really, really nice. And Darby Allen, you know, this is what you talk about when you go against a star, you lose nothing in defeat. If anything, Allen will be enhanced by this. Um, out of five for me, I'm going to give it four and a quarter just because I never thought I'd see CM Punk wrestle again. And I'm just glad it wasn't Goldberg level. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's, it's nice. God. Uh, <laughs> it's nice. You're leaving a better taste in my mouth now. Go, uh, uh, you mean Oldberg, not Goldberg. Oldberg, yeah. Well, predictions for this, we all went punk, so 776 seven, there at the moment. Pole wise, punk, 83%. And Comptry hypes up full gear, which will be live Saturday, November 13th. Now, I know we've got Survivor Series a week after, and of course, we've got Halloween special, which I hope uh, you're a part of. But I was thinking maybe Saturday, November 3rd, we do. You know, we did the SummerSlam live pre-show. What about yeah. if we do the full gear? What about if we do a full gear live pre-show that day? That sounds good. That's uh, that's what Saturday. You're gonna yeah. do it Saturday, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because um, yeah, you know, you know, when it comes to AEW or anything with professional wrestling, I'm down with. Now WWE, I don't know about that. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh, know where our next couple of uh, our special shows are, shall we say? Uh, yeah. And up next. 
you know, after being built up with CM Punk, we had to kind of be brought down a little bit, and it was Paul White versus QT Marshall, uh, and Marshall had Alan Solo, Nick Cromarato in his corner. They were sent over the top by White, and then the match got started. Of course, Paul White in his first pay-per-view appearance. Right after CM Punk, it lacked a little bit of spark. It did not exceed expectations, shall we say. White dominated the leader of the factory in Stooges, Alan Solo, Nick Cromarato, and got the choke slam with the free count. Um, what was your, what were your thoughts? I mean, did he draw the short straw? Was this match always going to take place here? And Big Show doesn't he seem like a small fish now in a massive pot in a, in a in a massive sea? I mean, he looks slow. I tell you that much. Um, the I mean, I think it was a good a, a good match, and I don't mean the, the quality of it. I think it was a, a a good match to put in to calm down the fans because I'm I'm talking about the the last two uh last two matches were what we talk about Darby CM Punk then you had the uh, the Casino Battle Royal and then you had the the AEW Tag Team Title Match you talk you talking about you had three matches that had the fans you know like going crazy you know what I'm saying because you know the, the Lucha Bros winning the tag team title Ruby Soul making her debut then you had the um, you know the CM Punk match. Oh, actually, the MJF match, too, also with Jericho. So that was a lot, a lot of stuff going on for the fans. And, you know, you didn't want to, to burn them out by the time the uh, the uh, main event showed up. There is, I think the reason they gave the uh, Paul White his match, probably because he, he wanted to have a match in AEW and say, look, um, I, have a, I was in a match in an AEW pay-per-view, you know. Because if you think about it, um, leading to this match, you know, QT Marshall, you know, kind of try to bully uh, Paul White with the medical stuff. Whatever. But remember, the go-home show, Billy Gunn and the Gun Club turned on Paul White. I was expecting those guys to be there. They weren't there. So I guess they probably figured, like, you know, we could always probably use this this uh, little feud in, in elevation or in dark, you know. Um, I don't see that probably popping out as far as um, Dynamite maybe in Rampage, but the only reason they had this match, one, to calm down the fans, and second, just to give Paul White uh, some kind of, you know, pay-per-view time and show WWE, look, this guy is still wrestling for us, and yes, it may not be the greatest match, but he's on TV. Yeah, right, uh, well, I'm going to give that a three out of five. I think that'll be a fair score. Yeah, I think, yeah, uh, I'm going to give it two and a half, to be honest, because there was nothing, it, it was nothing to even write down about. It was just... Total domination by Paul White. Um, Nick Camarado needs to stay away from QT Marshall. That guy, Nick Camarado, had a great match with John Mosley a couple of months ago. He reminds me of Bruiser Brody. He reminds me of the North the Barbarian. He has a lot of skills. I mean, his whole body of work and everything, you know, he's good. And the guy with QT Marshall, I understand yeah, he's part of a faction, he's part of the factory, but... You know, you, you don't want to make a guy like that with so so much potential look bad because he's hanging out with the wrong crap. Well, uh, prediction-wise, uh, yourself and Jackson went for QT Marshall in this one. I went for Paul White. So I draw oh, shit, six. everything is tied. <laughs> it's 7-7-7 seven, seven, seven going into our main event. Poll-wise, Paul White got 81%. Uh, we got told that Moxie versus Zuki will be on Dynamite. Uh, again, what a match was and then malachi black cut a promo where he tells dustin rose don't want to be calm because matter is more predictable more likely is to slip up again malachi black absolutely destroying 
Dustin Rhodes on Dynamite. But we found out that Cody Rhodes will be coming back to fight him, uh, of course, in just a couple of weeks on Dynamite. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be in that event live, and that's in New oh, York. Nice. So that's unbelievable. Good. Oh yes, brother. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna enjoy every minute of it. So I can say I actually went to an AEW Dynamite show. So you know, but uh, yeah. So I mean, so far that's got that one match in there for the card. Um, I just my thing is, you know, it looks like Malachi Black has gone through the whole nightmare um, factory or nightmare family, whatever you want to call it. So why would you bring back? Cody Rhodes to do what? Is he going to come back? He's been teasing that. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. He's been teasing. Remember what he used to do the Stardust? He's been teasing it a lot online. I don't know why. And I'm hoping oh. to God that he doesn't come out with some crazy shit because I don't be like, <laughs> what? Malachi Black, and I love Malachi Black entrance. And I mean, his match with, with Dustin Rhodes this week was pretty good. Uh, but. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens, though. Right, so now we move on. It's the main event of the night, the AEW World Heavyweight Championship match, Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. So let's get into it. We get an early, flur- an early flurry by Cage, who negated when Omega capitalised on Don Callis' distracted referee and delivered a double stomp that broke a table over his opponent's sternum and midsection. From there, the champion dominated the action, forcing Captain Charisma on the defensive, Cage fought back into the match, but the belt collector halted the momentum with a knee strike to the face. He added a V-trigger to the back of the head and a snapdragon suplex, then another snapdragon and a third. Another V-trigger obliterated the challenger. Christian somehow recovered over, delivered a spear through a table. An emphatic announcement to Omega and the AW fans that he's not going away easily. The title holder survived two more spears and delivered a ripcord V-trigger. Christian answered with a kill switch. And Omega just kicked out. At that point, I thought, they're not going to do it, are they? No, again, fantastic near fall. And the champion recovered, fought out an attempted kill switch from the top rope and delivered a one-winged angel off the top for the win. And I, and I thought, release before I get your thoughts, I thought, you know, have an impact champion lose to Kenny Omega. And I love the fact it wasn't just a one-winged angel. Even though that is a protective finisher, it's off the top rope, which made it even better. Uh, what were your thoughts on the match or the finish? Yeah, the, yeah, the, the finish the finish was good because you protected the, the impact world champion, which that's what you should do. The fact that there was outside interference that helps the impact world champion. Um, the one-winged angel from the top pretty much protects the champion because you don't want to have Omega pinning the a- impact world champion easily with no outside interference, no uh, crazy move, no, imp- you know, just a regular one wing angel, because then, you know, now impacts title don't mean nothing because remember, this is a working relationship. I mean, th- you know, th- th- this match was pretty good. It-, it was pretty good. It was everything that you expected. Was it better than the first match? Hmm. Uh, maybe slightly less than the first match. I think the first match, you didn't expect Christian Cage to pin him, but the overall the finish was good. I, I liked the way he did a uh, one wing injury from the top rope. I mean that, that that was crazy. And just for Christian even taking that bump, you got to give him credit because this guy's isn't past his forties, and for him to take a bump like that, you know, it, it's crazy. And again, that protects protects Christian. The match itself, I will give it a a, a three as three quarters, maybe a four, uh, because it was pretty good. Uh, and again, they protected uh, Kenny Omega and protected Christian because of the outside interference and the last move that Kenny Omega did to Christian. So 
But I knew he wasn't going to beat him because they were not going to get the AEW title to Christian and whatnot. But they could have. They could have done that though. They could have done yeah. that. They could have done that where Christian would have beat Kenny Omega, go to Impact on Thursday with the AEW title, and then you know make it more interesting. But they're not doing that because I think there's going to be more stuff going on. But we'll, we'll talk about it after we finish here. Yeah, I mean, like I said, in the match, they knew you had to start fast. You know, we've seen the cage match. They saw CM Punk's that uh, come back and they thought, right, we're going to have to start fast in this one. The ref was terrible, but we'll just leave it there at that. The referee in AEW is probably the only kind of negative that you could, you know, look at. Omega slipping the state you don't see every day, but he recovered really well. Uh, Christian's timing in ring and with the move to AEW as well was perfect, you know. Uh, yeah. Also still with the impact uh, now as champion. This was excellent. Both showing what they can do. Like I said, great for Christian to do special finisher. Uh, out of five, I'm going to give this a four and a half out of five because I just thought after everything we've seen, I was still getting invested in it. And like I said, that kill switch, and I thought, they're not actually going to do it, and they didn't in the end, but it's that's what gets you off your chair, so to speak, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, when he hit the kill switch and Kenny Omega got up, right there it told you he was not losing the belt. Now the question was, how Kenny Omega was going to, you know, end uh, Christian's night? And then again, again, the, the, the elite coming out, and uh, trying to do outside interference and all that stuff, that's what makes it good because see what people don't understand people are like oh i hate omega he's always cheating that is his job he's a heel he has to cheat they call themselves the super elite for a reason they're gonna they claim they're the best they're gonna do everything possible to hold on to the belt why why do you think uh you know uh, um don Callis has you know if, you, if there was manager of the year right now between him and paul Heyman, i would give it to don Callis for the simple fact that he has done so many crooked shit this year when it comes to the, the with Kenny Omega, with the Young Bucks, the even uh, Gallows and Anderson. You know, he's always doing something with plans. And just when you think, like, before the, the Young Bucks lost the belt, just when you think that the Young Bucks are going to lose, he always found ways. It's, this is what a faction is supposed to do that. It's supposed to do. That's why I talk about the pinnacle. This is why I talk about uh, the, the inner circle. The elite right now, if you look at it, it's taking over as part of the top uh, faction in the whole AEW. So, you know, but it, again, I like the finish. I like the way they, they protected both champions. And, you know, who knows? Down the line, another match. I, I would love to watch them again. Exactly, because you can always argue it's 1-1 at this moment in time as well. We all went Omega low predictions, final scores. 8-8-8, eight, eight, eight. it is a draw. 8 out of 10 low predictions. Like I said, we all got the Women's Battle Royal winner wrong. Uh, and, of course, with a tag match review. And QT Marshall, I think, is just, you know, uh, like we said, with the, the Billy Gunn, with the yeah, whole wife. Yeah, and the, and the reason I say QT Marshall, because I was expecting Billy Gunn to pop out. He didn't show, he wasn't even in the show. That's exactly what Jaxie said as well, as we were kind of running through it, you know. And, uh, and this is the thing sometimes. They put something there and... and Again, it's just minor little things for AW, but again, overall, you know, that show, top to bottom, you know, 1 to 10 was great. Uh, Paul Wise Omega was 74%, but that wasn't it, because the rest of the elite walked out to celebrate with Omega. The attack Christian and Jurassic Park ran out, but they were outnumbered. Omega grabbed the mic and said, no one is on his level when it comes to the AEW belt. The only people that would ever have a chance to win it are not in AEW, or really retired, or dead. And the lights went out. And then Adam Cole walked out. Baby. <laughs> Adam Cole, baby. Um, and, and just we weren't sure what he was going to do. Super kicked Jungle Boy. 
Cole then hugged the elite. He grabbed the mic and said, the elite is the most dominant faction in business. There's no chance in hell that someone could stop them. Uh, at that point, when because I know the rumours have been a lot, but when Adam Cole comes out, I mean, what a surprise. And I'm thinking, well, that's it now. It's just another level, you know? Oh, my God. When Adam Cole came out and, 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 and you know, I'm one that, like, I'm a big Adam Cole fan. When he did Adam Cole, baby, everybody just going with him. I'm like, I'm like, he is not, he's not turning on the on the elite. He's gonna be part of the elite. Listen, with him in there, I pretty much said, look, take my money, take my money, because there's no way in the world that WWE is gonna surpass that. You just let go one of your top talent in NXT. Okay, a former two-time, I think it was two-time NXT champion, a guy who had. The best run as an NXT champion from 2019 to like 2020, and now he's in AEW. You got Daniel Bryan, you just got you got Andrade, you got uh, who else is in there? CM Punk. I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, the the amount of talent that AEW has, and now you add Adam Cole, and then you add him into the elite. It's like you know, it, it's 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 crazy. It's like I'm like, who's gonna beat this this faction? They're beginning to look like the NWO now. Yeah, at that point. And especially with the kisses, you know, when the Bucks kissed Adam Cole as well, you're going, this is an iconic moment of, like, the elite being stronger than ever ever happy. And like I said, AEW fans haven't maybe been jealous of NXT fans, but how long have they been waiting to say, Adam Cole, baby? You know, because like you said, that charm was something else. And we thought, well, what an end to a show. And then the lights went out again. And Brian Danielson showed up and a brawl broke out with Danielson on the babyface side, taking out the elite with the help of Jurassic Express and Christian uh, as the fans go fucking banana, as Pat Patterson would say. Uh, this may be the greatest end to a pay-per-view that I've ever seen. Just incredible. You know, you think Adam Cole's prize and then Daniel Bryan, uh, Brian Danielson. What were your reaction when Danielson showed up? Oh man, I mean, when he's it is funny because all night I'm expecting him to show up because they already had mentioned that he was gonna come out, um, and I'm like, when is he gonna come out? And once he, I heard his music, I was like, oh my god, this is I said this is great. This is like I looked like a little boy like when I was watching wrestling back in the days. I get all excited and whatnot, and I'm like, there's no way. Listen, the thing I'm gonna say about this right now is like, what other person they're gonna bring in now? They got the biggest talent of wrestling in there, okay? And, and I'm like, how – and the first thing that comes into my mind, I know a lot of people are like, oh, why are you worrying about WWE and this and that? Says you're not a WWE fan. You, you're a hater, whatever. But my thing is, how can WWE top that? There's no way you're going to top that because they got almost all the talents that were in the independent scene six years ago, okay? In 2014 – uh, around 2014, that's when I started watching a game of wrestling, Ring of Honor, and all. This. You you had guys like uh, Kevin Owens coming out of uh, Ring of Honor to go to NXT. You had Adam Cole. You had uh, uh, Bobby Fish. You had AJ Styles. You had all these guys that right now, some of them are AEW. You know, Daniel Bryan was already in in WWE, but he was having his run. You know, and you got guys who already made themselves. Uh, uh, a name in the independent scene went to WWE. Now they're in AEW with it. Now they could go back to professional wrestling. You, I mean, there's no way that that you know 
you can't complain about this. You as a wrestling fan, you cannot complain with the amount of talent that the AEW has right now. The the you know, and then you got the forbidden door, James. We're talking about the forbidden door. Well, you got guys from the NWA who roll in there. You got guys from New Japan that could roll in there. It, it's 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 crazy the 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 amount of dream matches that we could see. You know, man, whoever thought about that? And you know, it's funny because a year ago, Tony Khan made a comment in Twitter. I believe it was in Twitter where he said the what this uh the the the, the I think it was the terrain's about to change, right? Everybody was talking about, oh, it's Kenta showing up in AEW. No, that means he already had this plan a long time ago. He knew there was going to be a forbidden door. He knew all these talents were going to come and show up at AEW. I mean, it's crazy. Now, it's just about now is how to use all these talents. But I know Brian Cage's wife was on Twitter and was not happy with the way they're treating Brian Cage at AEW, which I agree because I think Brian Cage should be in the world title hunt and i want to see that brian case against kenny omega machine versus machine but but they, they, it could happen it could happen but the thing is that we talked about this with lance archer as well and orange cassidy maybe not as high up as he was what what adam page thunder rosa like i said it's it's where you get all this tax you know stacked talent it's how to handle it but the thing is what we said and we reviewed the aw paper this year and we were disappointed by the end of omega versus moxley you know with the kind of damp squid of the barbed wire and the jericho fall off the you know blood and guts as well uh but they've just this show just kind of delivered and all you know and i, I keep thinking what's the greatest pay-per-view i've watched all time probably wrestlemania 17 you know mm. and this one on the level of you know of that it's just, if you look back on it, all 10 matches, you know, even the ones that weren't that great were kind of over for it. They knew it. The Battle Royale itself kind of delivered, you know, and you had a classic tag team match as well. It was just, it was just fantastic. Um, what the match of the night was obviously a tag team title match. I think that'd be fair to say, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, I would say yes, because, again, every time you mention that match, I still see uh, Matt Jackson hitting his head on the canvas. With that Canadian destroyer, uh, that match, yes. And, and again, the whole pay-per-view, the way they started it, the buyout wasn't as boring like they usually are. Uh, the uh, the fact you saw Riho back, which was funny because I was wondering what the hell is Riho? I haven't seen that in a long time. She showed up at the uh, battle royal. The tag team match was the match of the night, pretty much. Uh, and I think, again, and I mean, people are going to say, oh, the Paul White was not all that. Well, the Paul White was just all about having him be in the pay-per-view and pretty much letting um, WWE say, look, we, we got one of your guys here, and he's wrestling in our pay-per-view. You give everybody a chance. So Yeah. But, the, but, so, but the, say, the, the thing uh, with Paul White as well yeah. is, is the fact that it's not the hardcore wrestling fan go, oh, you know, it's, it's Paul White's a big show. But anybody that's watched WWE television over the last 20 years, just flick it on, who hasn't seen it in a while, will go, oh, he's over here now. And like you talk about, perception is key, isn't it? You know? Yeah. And then the, the, I think the more the, the, the person who I saw that enjoyed the moment, besides CM Punk, the enjoyed the moment coming out was Ruby Soho. Because she looked like she got emotional. It's, and I was happy to see that not only that she participated, in a battle royal, but then the ending, her and Thunder Rosa, 
one of the biggest names in wrestling right now, to end it and her winning everything and now she's getting a shot at Britt Baker, it goes to show you that AEW is serious, man. They're not they're not playing games. If they they're gonna get these people, they're gonna try to you know put them in some show. Well, you're talking about these guys had four shows, not just not just two. They got four shows. Two of them, you know, they is really pretty much to elevate the younger talent, but they could still put somebody in there and they could promote it. Uh, let's say a Brian Cage versus whoever, you know, if he's not gonna come out AEW Dynamite, but Listen, I mean, they, their talent is just right now, they got the best talent stack all over the oh. world. And, and, and again, again, with that forbidden door in there now, come on. This is a good time to be a professional wrestling fan. Oh, about that is the best of times. Uh, right, so my pick is going to be a bit, you know, whatever, but I'm going to say everybody on that roster because everybody went out and just delivered. You know, even like you said, the, the Battle Royale or Paul White, uh, at least they gave 100, percent you know, A for effort, shall we say, you know. I, I, listen, the MVP or the MVPs of the night for me is the Lucha Bros. I mean, these guys, uh, they took a lot of bumps and then just having thumbtacks uh, attached to your head, you know, it's it's, it's crazy. So I will give the Lucha Bros uh, MVP of the night for you know overcoming the you know the the, the obstacles and all that, the mass break. I mean, and it was very touching to see Penta. Hawker's daughter and his wife. I mean, that that touched me because it's like I got kids and, and just seeing that, that your your kid, that his daughter was crying because he was bleeding. So that that really touched me too. So I mean, this pay per view was amazing. I mean, <laughs> yo, <laughs> I, it's like there's no other words to explain it. It's like even if the if full gear is not gonna be as great as All Out, but All Out is their WrestleMania. So they yeah. made up. They made up. For what happened in 2020, they made it. Listen, they made it up big time, and that was our first uh, review last year, the 2020 All Out. This, you know, I'm glad that a year later here we're doing it, and we're here excited because I remember when we first do the, we first did last year, we were just scratching our heads with the Matt Hardy falling off from the damn thing with Sammy Guevara and all that stuff, and Matt Seidel slipping from the ropes. I still remember that. You know, it was just. It was horrible, it, but... It's crazy to think, yeah, it's the same... You know, for where they've gone from one year to the next is no. just... You know, it, t- it takes other companies, you know, 10, 15 years for that. You know, like, it's no. just amazing. Um, and you talk, we're going to get overall rating for the show in a minute. I asked everyone, uh, well, how did they... It was probably one of the easiest polls of all time. Okay, was 17% a bit surprised that. That's probably the WWE stands anyway. Uh, good, 3.4%. Great, 10.3%. Awesome, got 69% of the vote. And even Anthony Bourne said, now you know why SummerSlam sucked as well. So 69% said awesome. So out of 10, what are you going to score it? I'm going to give it a nine and a half. If that Paul White match was not in there, you would include Pac and Andrade's? Yeah, oh my God, that would have been a perfect ten. Shit, I'm telling yeah. you, it would have been a perfect ten. <laughs> it, I mean, I usually am. Usually, my ratings usually be in the seven and a half to so the eight, maybe a nine. I give it a nine and a half. It would have been a ten if that Park and a Andrade- matter of fact, that's where you should have put the Park and Andrade's match between the the Paul White and the QT Marshall match. But I guess they wanted to give it more time. That give it like what they gave to the Paul White and QT Marshall match. Well, uh, like you said, um, I'm going to give it a nine and three quarters out of ten. 
because I've reviewed so many pay-per-views the past six years. You know, with takeovers always score high. This might be my highest score show that we've actually done on the pod. Because like you said, everything was near enough perfect with this one. And like, even with the bouts that happened afterwards, the pacing of the show was fantastic. And, and the thing is, with the fans, and even myself, I don't know about you, but even as the show was finishing, you had the standoff between your league just join them and fans always say they want to surprise on pay-per-view we had what four five happen at all out you had the elite with the bucks who were there even though they lost the gold haven't lost anything in defeat with christian and daniel uh, brian danielson in the middle of a fucking aew ring the fans chatting ae dub and you're going i want to see more the fans could have sat there for another hour watching it i could have i went and watched dark that's how desperate i was for more aew stuff do you know what i mean like that it's just great, great, great things at the moment. You know? Yeah, and, and it, it, that goes to show you. I mean, I, I, I went to bed hyper, and I, I usually like I'll be wrestle out after a while. But this, this pay per view was just oh my god, and and you know I, I want to record it for one of my friends because I, I owe him double or nothing, which I still got on my DVR that I need to record also, but. You know, because he follows AEW, but he just had a kid, so he hasn't had a chance to watch the whole thing. And I just want to share that. And, you know, I, you know, I'm all for it, but, you know, it's funny that some people try to kill the, the your, your happiness with the trolls online and tell you, but you know what, this time you can't tell me nothing right now. Nothing. <laughs> this right now, what we're talking about, the, the stuff that's happening and, and, and with there may be a possibility with this forbidden door, a Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay match, okay? Because these guys were going back and forth. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to talk about this PWR 500 stuff, the 1 to 10 list, but right now, you can imagine a Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay in AEW. Think about that. I just want you to think about that. I want you to marinate it and think about that. Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega in an AEW match. Because these two have been going at it since the PWA 500 came out. Uh, and Omega called says that the uh, New Japan promotion is ice cold since he left. You know, he's doing his best Kenny Omega, a-hole thinking, whatever. But, man, let me tell you, man. Uh, you know what? I, I cannot wait. Because I know we're going to have more AEW stuff. And we're going to be talking about the possibilities I mean, there's so many dream matches in AEW right now. So well, the many. thing is, the thing for me, what I thought as well, and I know I'm obviously a bit close, and I thought, do you know what? In 2022, we're going to see Josh Alexander versus Brian Danielson, and it and it's going to mm. be fucking just beautiful. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, just yeah. Pure yeah well, before I think before that, and and, and um, I was kind of a little disappointed when I heard the news about Bound for Glory the time the start. Which will start at 10 o'clock here uh, Easter time Because it's in Vegas uh, Josh Alexander versus Miro Title versus title That's what I want to see That's what I want to see Okay, it, It's just fun It's just I can't remember last time we watched wrestling. We go, I enjoy the program that's on. And you go to bed, or like you said, you stop it and you, you think about all these matches and all the possibilities and all this, oh, you know, all this kind of thing as well. And it's just it's just it's great and and to hear danielson as well we cut a promo after the paper went off the air he says i'm a wrestler i never left wrestling i took wrestling whenever i went i said that uh, rest 
supposed to say it, and I'm here to God damn wrestle. These people call themselves elite. I'm going to see if they truly are. So, AW, let's fucking go. I mean, how exciting is that to hear, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, because I guess, you know, he was in WWE for so long, and then I think uh, they doctors tried to stop him from being in the ring. And I think it was more of Daniel Bryan was getting bigger than the company, and they didn't want, um, they didn't want him to get bigger than the company because that's McMahon's thinking pattern, you know? And that's what they at where they at right now, because they don't allow anybody to be bigger than the company. Um, and Daniel Bryan right now, he could match up with anybody. I mean, the guy could go to Japan, and and put it this way, he could go to Japan, or somebody from Japan could come to AEW. You could have a Kenta versus Daniel Bryan. That'd be sick. That'd be a <laughs> sick match. Kenta versus Daniel Bryan. Uh, Ichi Tashimori against Daniel Bryan. You could have a Jay White versus Daniel Bryan. I mean. The, the, the matchups are endless, uh, endless, you know? And I, you know what? I'm so happy in a way. Uh, and right now, talking about it, it, I'm so happy that I do a podcast, that I'm able to share some of this stuff to everybody because this is a good time to be a wrestler. I, and, and I'm going to tell you a little story here. About eight years ago, um, this is way before I did the podcast, whatever, uh, I, I, Impact was going through the stages where the District Carter letting AJ go, and I remember me and my roommate were like, damn, you know, what, what's going to happen now that wrestling sucks and I don't want to watch WWE. And we not, we weren't watching WWE or Impact. But, again, the guy that I always said that made wrestling interesting again was CM Punk and that pipe bomb. Because after that pipe bomb, you saw uh, Ring of Honor, they get their shit together. And then the Bullet Club started coming in within 2013, 2014. And the rest... It's history. So, you know, people were just tired of WWE. I mean, they were control for almost 18 years, 19 years. And that's a different story. This is, uh, listen, you cannot ask for a better time with the matchup, the forbidden. The, this reminds me of the territories back in the days. Because anybody well, could show up. This is the thing. And I felt a bit like, you know, when I watch kind of old um, WWE papers, like Sting coming down and taking out the NWO or... Like, you know, Lex Luger winning the, the world title. Like, this is one of these moments that they're going to look back on 20 years' time or 10 years' time and go, you know, when was AEW? When did it start? Where were these moments? And this is a moment in history. It's it's history. Yeah, and that's, yeah. I think, what, what's brilliant about it, you know. Like, it's, the media scrums are well worth watching after as well. I mean, even took them in, you know. Um, and we wondered about the buy rate. And it topped 200,000 as well. Uh, and yeah. there's a big milestone that they're obviously not hit. Um, but they're saying that's a low end because obviously the thing about All Out as well is that the replays, people going, they missed that show. They weren't going to miss it the second time round. You know? No, <laughs> they weren't. Like, and I think, it I delivered. Think they, yeah, I think their pay-per-view buy rate was the second best they ever had. I think. I'm not sure. I think that was the second best buy rate that they had. So, I mean, AEW is doing everything right right now. If you think about it, right now, Wednesdays, uh, the rating came in for this past Wednesday, and they hit over a million mark again, and they did better than Raw. In the 18 to 49, and I believe the 34 to 59. They did they did pretty well. They topped Raw. So that goes to show you, if they keep going the same way they're going, they're going to, they're going to let WWE know, we're competition. You just want to think we're not competition. We're that t-shirt company that Triple H called um, AEW back in 2019 at the Hall of Fame. So, 
they're that t-shirt company that's making making noise a lot of noise yeah but how many t-shirts are they selling cm punk you know sold out 24 hours you got new adam uh all elite baby t-shirt you got brian daniels's t-shirt ruby so for a t-shirt company they're doing very good fucking business you know like i said dynamite was fun as hell as well highlight of course danielson and mate coming to blows like I talk about 1.3 million people and beating mm-hmm. raw like i said in the 18 to 49 absolutely unbelievable and as for rampage andrade versus pack was fire as well so yeah, I, ha- I have not uh, seen that yet um, i'm not gonna spoil it but honestly yeah <laughs> but let's see what i'm telling you they're giving guys look they're giving guys like brian pillman jr right brian pillman jr was the main event last night of against max caster right now you got max caster who just got suspended for saying something stupid now he's in the main event which they well it goes to show you you may be mad at the company because the company suspended you for 30 days for what you say, but you got to also, you know, respect the fact we're a company and we got to keep our image clean. So we'll do this for you. If you stay with us, we'll give you a main event and rampage. And that's exactly what they did. They gave them a main event and ramp and rampage. What, let me tell you, man, it's just, it's incredible. So, you know, um, you do you want to talk about this PWI 500 or what? Yeah, we're going to get onto that in just a second. Let's just wrap up AEW first because I just yeah. want to ask you one last question because at the yeah. moment, AEW is in a perfect place. The ratings have hit the perfect point. You know, the attention to it is there and you just wonder where they're going to kind of grow from here and you kind of worry how they're going to fuck it up. But I think if you look at the kind of the next couple of pay-per-views, <laughs> if Adam Page is not on the next pay-per-view, then obviously you go Danielson versus Omega. But I personally, you know, Page beating Omega for that world title well, that crowd will give the main event that everybody kind of wants, the reaction everybody wants as well, you know, and then you've got like Bray Wyatt possibly coming in, anything like this. Obviously, we've done this for a year. Where do you see AEW at this time next year and where do you think they should be? Ooh, uh, this and, time next year? Ooh. Yeah, and, and is, there, is there anything that can kind of stop this momentum or do you just think it's all kind of, you know, aces at this moment in time? Well, the way if, if, if AEW is doing the same style of storytelling like New Japan Pro Wrestling. Plus, it looks like they do. They, they do that uh, with some of their matches or uh, some of their set of matches because that's exactly what they're doing with uh, Adam Page. Uh, this time next year, uh, whew, I could probably see Adam Cole, maybe the AEW champion. I mean, and depending on what happened. Um, you know, and, and it depends on the storyline. Uh, as far as the tag team scene right now, uh, uh, right now, maybe Santana Ortiz may be tag team champions down the line because now they're focusing on that. Um, um, I could see uh, Brian Danielson going to Japan probably, and maybe guys from Japan coming in. I, again, I could see Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay or, or Kota Ibushi because uh, the, he did mention that there could be a match between them two. I mean, right now, it's unpredictable. And the reason I say it's unpredictable because they got so much talent. They could go so many routes, so many routes, um, as far as that. Uh, again, Adam Cole is there. Uh, I don't see Adam Cole getting the TNT belt. I can see him win the AEW title. And the reason I say that is because Adam Cole was main main, uh, main roster. He was supposed to go to the main roster like about a year and a half ago, and they didn't bring him up. And then when they wanted to bring him the main roster, they wanted to, uh, how you call it? Uh, like I said, main event, uh, main roster push, and they didn't, and they wanted to make him a manager. So 
AEW is always going to show WWE, look, this is what we're doing with one of your guys who is a top talent in your supposedly developmental NXT, and we're going to make him the world champion. But I, I see Omega losing the belt to Adam Page. Adam Page probably running with it probably through midsummer next year, and Adam Cole probably beating him in a full out league. Yeah, I mean, what a time it is to be a wrestling fan, especially AEW. We have all the momentum in the world. All right, so you want to talk about the PWI 500, no. Pro Wrestling <laughs> Illustrated, release the 500 top wrestlers of the year. I'm not even going to talk about Josh Alexander making it to 106, but top 10, uh, we've got Rich Swan, number nine, Shingo Tagaki, eight, Finn Balor, seven, Will Ospreay, six, John Moxley, five, Coat Rabusha, three, Drew McIntyre, three, Bobby Lashley, two, Roman Reigns, and number one, Kenny Omega. I said I'm glad Rich Swan made it top 10. I can't really argue. Uh, what are your thoughts on that top 10? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Swan should be nowhere in the top 10. Okay? Rich Swan lost that belt, I think it was in uh, April. I mean, he did I mean, he did have some good matches with Moose. But uh, that, that was all because they wanted to set up. I, I'm going to tell you that a couple of guys here on um, the top 10 that shouldn't be in there. Number one, uh, I say Joe McIntyre should not be there. Shingo Takagi should not be in there. And Rich Swan should not be in there. Will Ospreay should be a little higher than Moxley and uh, Kabashi, but even though he deserves the top ten. The reason I say Shingo Takagi should not be in there, even though a lot of people will say, well, he's the IWGP world champion. Takagi lost to Ospreay, okay? And the only reason he has that belt was because Ospreay got hurt during the match with Takaji and messed up his neck. Um, and Rich Swan, no, I, I can't. I can't with Swan because I think uh, uh, Impact was just pushing him because they really didn't have anybody they could put. I mean, could, they could have pushed um, Sammy Callahan, but Callahan's little run with the world title was pretty much over. They kind of stalled it. Um, I mean, John Moxley in there. I mean, Moxley deserved because he was the champion until December. He lost that belt. How long Rich Swan was the champion in Impact? Uh, October till April. So, what, six months? Yeah, well, six months. But the competition between him and Moxley, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think so. And, and, and if anything, Josh Alexander should be in the top ten. Not jo- uh, Yeah, Josh Alexander. Yeah. Because the guy, first of all, he went from being a tag team champion with, um, with this guy. Uh, oh, my God. What's his name? Oh. Uh, uh, Ethan Page. Ethan Page, yeah, there's so many pages. Um, Ethan Page, and then he went and transformed himself into a single wrestler, and pretty much, uh, pretty much he's he's known as a lethal weapon, and he pretty much showed you why he's the lethal weapon. So, Rich one there, uh-uh. I I take Josh Alexander over this. Uh, Bobby Lassie number three, that's a joke to me. Uh, Bobby Lassie just won the belt like past what? Um, in January from the Miz, so he really didn't beat anybody big for him to be up there. And his run as a champion has not been that fabulous because he had like two or three matches against Drew McIntyre. Uh, McIntyre, again, McIntyre was more of a, a, a pandemic champion. Uh, and even though they took the ball away from him for two months and they gave it back to him. So Dakota Ibushi, yeah, he's, he's dead number five. Um, the only thing I... I'm kind of surprised that he made the top ten. This guy's always getting hurt. Um, he was out with COVID not long ago. Oh, it wasn't even COVID. It was some respiratory issue, but it wasn't COVID. Now, Omega, I mean, 
and maybe you're gonna agree with me that Kenny Omega won. I could say he yes, he deserved the number one because he was the Triple A and Impact and AEW, and he defended all those belts all that time. Now, Jacob Fatu from Major League Wrestling is not in this list. So is Nick Aldis and Walter. Walter held the belt for a thousand days. Okay, no one could be Walter. Okay, I don't care who he stepped in the ring there. He beat everybody. Jacob Fatu, the same thing. Fatu has been at MLW for so long, for two or three years. The guy still holds the world title, and nobody has beaten him. I think right now his biggest threat is Alex Hammerstone, and he's, you know, he's not in this list. And then Nick Aldis. Aldis just lost the belt to uh, Murdoch, Trevor Murdoch, which I found is surprising. But Nick Aldis but should... Okay. I, I agree, but, but the, the thing is with this, I think we need to take it with a pinch of salt, you know, because the first thing first is that they're always going to gonna go for the major, you know, um, promotion, so to speak. So it's PWI at the moment saying, oh, no, AEW, we class it as such. So we'll kind of put that in that position, you know, like I said, with Moxley winning it uh, last year as well. But also, you know, if you look back at the history, I mean, the Giant and Lex Luger and Diesel all one of the year. You know, Hulk Hogan has been number one three times. So, you know, it's like, it's like I say, I'm not going to see too much into it because everybody, and this is the thing I love about wrestling, is everybody's got a different opinion about it. And yeah. that's what makes wrestling so subjective and so much fun uh, because you... You know, we, one man's you kind of, you know, oh, he's terrible, but it's something you like about him, and that's what makes that wrestler special, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I still, like I said, there's three wrestlers in there that are not in this list. Like I said, Nick Aldis, you know, he just lost, recently lost the belt, should have been in this list. Uh, Fatu, and who was the other guy I mentioned? Oh, God, I forgot. But these guys, but, I mean, Kenny Omega winning it, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't um, not, not disappointed at all. Even though he he did, um, this is where all this thing with him and Osprey started, where um, he said that uh, the only competition he had was uh, another big dog. We were talking about Roman Reigns, and so, but this is interesting though because of the, because of this top 500 stuff. Now you got Osprey and Omega going at it on Twitter. So are we going to see a match between these, between these two because of the Forbidden Door? That is the question. That is, I mean, and that's the, the thing that, you know, we've, we've answered a lot of questions here with the show, but there's also so many questions to be answered as well if you look upon AEW and everything else like this. And But I will say, finally, last point, is in 1996, three men signed with WSW and kind of changed the world of wrestling with NWO. That very same month, Austin 316 was born. So over to you, Vince. All right. <laughs> You've seen what AEW has done. Now yeah, it's down yeah. to you. Can can you do anything to save history? Uh, listen, at this point with WWE, uh, they, they, look, the last thing I read, I know Kevin, Kevin Owens' contract is up in January. Now my question to this is, they're not gonna, they're not looking at the independent scene anymore. They're gonna grab just people out of the streets or other sports to make them wrestlers. Is it gonna work? I highly doubt it because. You know, being a wrestler is not easy. You know, uh, I know a lot of wrestlers that independent scenes that I, I I befriended through because of the podcast and all that, and it's not an easy thing. Uh, now my question is, what is WWE going to do to try to top AEW right now? I don't see nothing they're going to do. They, I mean, they, they look desperate. Uh, I heard uh, SmackDown last night 
was pretty good because it came from Madison Square Garden. Um, I have not seen it yet, but I'm going to check it out after I finish here. Um, so that is a big question, like what what WWE is going to do next? I mean, and right now, you know, they're not looking at they're not looking at the company as a professional wrestling because it's not. They're more sports entertainment. They're going that Disney route. They're trying to keep it PG-13. So if if you plan if you're thinking, well, this is going to happen, you know, NXT right now is just starting next week. It's not going to be the same thing. A lot of the wrestlers that are in NXT right now don't know what the plans are. So they are. But, okay. But this is the thing. And well, I was going to say, like you said, you don't know what the plans are for NXT and if it is. But if we just finish it here, you know, as in to say, we'll go back to that pipe bomb CM Punk said. And Vincent Mann will make money to spite himself, you know, and it's a question of how many more uh, eyeballs and fans are looking at AW product where WWE finally say, because like I said, even the Monday Night Wars, you know, going back 20 years ago now, like, it wasn't until the end of 97, start of 98, they decided to go a bit attitude era. And that was after a couple of years of them, you know, going toe to toe. So it'll be interesting to see if they still think, no, we'll stick to what we're doing. Or if, like you said, the next kind of, of WWE kind of fighting back and then if WWE start actually caring about the product, continue what AEW is doing, then we all gain something as wrestling fans. Well, again, Vince McMahon has to let other people run the company because as long as him, Bruce Pritchard, Nick Khan, all those guys keep running the company, you're not going to see, you're not going to see no changes. They're going to, they're going to give because they, again, they are trying to get new eyes on their product. Not specifically professional wrestling fans, just casual fans. And again, I mean, where is WWE going to be at this time next year? You know, yeah. That is the question. That is it. Right. Well, that is brilliant. Wayne, what a show today that we've had. And that is it for now. Don't forget, we're across all social media, Twitter at the WNR Podcast. I'm at the WNR JR. Where can they find all your fantastic content? They can find me on all social media platforms, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. You can find me on the audio podcast and Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcast, and Amazon Music, the Chokeslam Wrestling Report with the ultimate. Well, Dublin, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram across the Google platform. Send us an email at Dublin Podcast at gmail.com and YouTube, Dublin Podcast. We have all the latest clips. And you go at the same time on YouTube as you do SoundCloud on your phone and also Spotify and iTunes. Make it down, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. Our next episode together will be uh, Impact at the start of next month, if that's all right for you. Uh, uh, which are for glory? It will be a victory road that we'll look at with a few impacts okay. building right. towards Bound for Glory. Um, and then, of course, our next episode on the WNR will be Monty with NXT UK. But until then, I've been James Bones, and I was joined by the fantastic Altmore one. Again, thank you for joining me very much, and a happy anniversary. Yes. And what a show to celebrate our anniversary on. Oh, <laughs> yes. I mean, it, it, it couldn't be any better than this show, uh, AEW, you know, uh, All Out. And, you know, it's crazy. One year already. It's, it feels like it was longer than that. Again, I enjoy every minute of this. Uh, you know, we definitely got to hook up again. Without a shout out of that, we will hear the other one on the WNR podcast soon. But until then, I have been James Rodens. Like I said, thanks for listening, everybody. And bye.